सहनावतु सहनो भुनक्तु सहवीकवाहै तेजस्वीतमस्तुमाषावै ओ शातिशातिशाति So last time we took up the subject of happiness all this is based on our observation of our life when we observe our life we realize that something that we always love is to be happy i love myself when i am a happy person so this is a love that is constantly going on number 1 you can say a love affair with myself but which self a happy self what i love the most in my life is happy self is a pleased self think about it no swami ji i love my i love my mothers the most i love my father the most i love given friend the most i love my car the most i love my computer the most i love my job Yes, I'm sure there are many things that we love in our life. But if we examine, why do we love those things? <clears throat> why do I? Huh? Hmm. Why do I love my mother, my father, my brother? my friend my job my school my teacher my car my house if we look at why do we love one or many of those things is because ultimately through them we only love ourselves which self a happy self or please yourself so think about this and understand this one thing that the one thing that we love in our life is ourselves but which self the happy self the pleased self there are times when i do not like myself when i am not happy when i'm sad etc then i do not like myself that happens i love myself and i may not even love myself I hate myself what i love is i and happiness called happy self please the self happy self is what i love when i love my mother or friend or father or brother or my job or money wealth anything that is because they make me happy in their presence with their experience i become happy so my mother i love because when i'm with my mother i become happy I love my father because when I'm with my father I become happy. I love my friend because when I'm with my friend I become happy. I love to be praised because when I'm praised I'm happy. I love recognition fame 
Because when I'm recognized, I'm happy. When I'm famous, I'm happy. I love wealth because when I'm wealthy, I'm happy. So I want you to note this. That in love for anything or anybody, basically love for ourselves is always involved. I am always the center in my life. And therefore, if something makes me happy, it's I that makes me happy. If something that makes me unhappy, it is I that make me unhappy. So when I am pleased, self, I am happy. Different people have different criteria of being happy. I am happy when I eat a plate of ice cream. Happy when I am watching a movie. Different people may have different reasons for being happy. That varies. Ultimately, what we love is the happy self. It's most amazing. And also, we are constantly trying to make ourselves happy. When you go to school or do not go to school. When I, when I play or do not, whatever I do or do not do. If we Examine, we'll find that the purpose of anything or everything that I do is so that I become happy. <laughs> I avoid doing things because I want to avoid unhappiness. Therefore, in my life, my constant endeavor or constant effort is to be happy or avoid being unhappy. This is the, I want you to understand this, think about it and understand this. This is a very important thing for us to understand in our life. And the other, last time I told you the story, of Sage Agnivalkya and Maitrey, his wife. Where Maitrey asked Agnivalkya, what makes me happy? If I get all the wealth, would I become happy? If I get all the name and fame, would I become happy? Yagnivalkya said, no, by themselves they cannot make you happy. Meaning that we have to learn to make ourselves happy. We have to learn to make ourselves happy. This is a very important thing to understand. We think that somebody else makes me happy. We think that passing examination makes me happy. Getting admission makes me happy. Being a doctor makes me happy. Being an engineer makes me happy. Being a businessman makes me happy, which may very well be so. I'm not saying they don't make you happy. Ultimately, but through all of this, I have to learn to make myself happy. So we have to learn the art of becoming happy. Because that is the most important thing and the only important thing in our life. A scientist does what he does. A businessman does what he does. A lawyer does what he does. Anybody does whatever they do. It's because they want to be happy. But we do not understand that I have to learn to make myself happy. Earlier we pointed out 
Therefore, being happy, we require things. We require nice food, we require movies, we require good house, we require many things. But even if you have those things, there's no guarantee that we'll be happy. This we discussed earlier. That good food in front of me does not necessarily mean that I'll enjoy it if my mind is not in a mood to enjoy. A movie I may not necessarily enjoy if my mind is not available to enjoy that movie. If my mind is not available to enjoy, I cannot enjoy anything. And if my mind is available, I can enjoy anything, understand? We have the ability or capacity to enjoy anything. They say that even a dry bread you can enjoy. If you are hungry or if you are in a mood, you can enjoy that also. You can enjoy a simple moonrise, sunrise. You can enjoy a simple walk, a simple line of poetry. Even simple things we can enjoy if our mind is available to us. Therefore, this mind is now when happiness is most important thing to me. That happiness takes place in my mind. Therefore, my mind becomes most important to me. There is a saying in Sanskrit that mind is the cause of happiness and mind is the cause of unhappiness. Remember this. My mind is the cause of my happiness and my mind is also the cause of my unhappiness. We have concluded in our life our conclusion is or our opinion is that someone else makes me happy or unhappy. My teacher, Puja Swami Dayanandi used to say, he once asked somebody from the audience, Hey, you look very unhappy this morning. What's the matter? Swamiji, I have not received a letter from my parents for three months, my parents have not written to me. I'm very unhappy. And Swamiji asked another person, Hey, you look unhappy this morning. What's the matter? Swamiji, I received a letter this morning. See the difference. One fellow is unhappy because he has not received the letter. The other is unhappy because he received the letter. Hey, why are you unhappy? Swamiji, I'm not going to get married. Why are you unhappy? Swami, I got married. Why are you unhappy? Swami, I don't have children. Why are you unhappy? I have children. So we think that the cause of unhappiness is out there. Because I have, some, I have something, therefore I am unhappy. Or I do not have something, therefore I am unhappy. Really. It is my own mind which is the cause of my unhappiness. By the same token, it is my own mind that is the cause of my happiness. Other people become instrumental. It's like pushing the button, you know. The cause of unhappiness is within me. Someone comes and push the buttons, I become unhappy. Like a fan, you know. The potential of turning is already in the fan. When I push the button, the fan starts turning. But pushing the button is only incidental. Fan turns because the potential of turning is in the fan itself. 
if for some reason the motor in the fan has uh, stopped or burnt down, even if I push the button, the fan will not run because that potential of turning is off. You follow? It is true. So, I mean, but fan runs only when I push the button. That is true. But your pushing the button is only incidental. <coughs> what really runs the fan is the potential that, that is there within the fan that runs that. You follow? Similarly, the potential of becoming happy is within myself. What someone does is pushes a button. There are certain things about me that I don't like. Interesting. There are certain things about me that I do not like. And I do not want to be reminded about them. You come and say, Swamiji, I remember, I, I know what happened to you uh, the other day. I know what. So, something I do not want to face. You push that button and you make me uncomfortable. So what I am saying is, the potential of unhappiness is within us. And some person, some situation, something becomes only incidental in bringing out that unhappiness which is within me. But the same token, the potential of happiness also is within me and someone or something becomes incidental in pushing another button because which I become happy. <clears throat> so, I become happy because of my own mind. I become unhappy because of also my own mind. We think that someone makes me unhappy. Oh, Swami, I failed the examination, I am miserable. Swami, I lost this game, become miserable. Swami, I did not get what I wanted, miserable. All those events are incidental. It is possible that even when that happens to somebody, there could be a person who is not affected. Possible. For example, when we were in the high school examination, you know, some of us would think that we should get 90% marks. There was a friend of mine who didn't care. He said, I would be happy. He, was, he did not even expect to pass the examination. The result came. I got 85% marks. I was miserable. I thought I failed. I was miserable. My friend got 36% marks. He passed. He, he offered a party. So what happened? I passed the examination. So 36% makes a person happy. 85% makes another person unhappy. There is no standard of what makes a person happy. What makes a person unhappy? The same situation can make a person happy or unhappy. From watching the India-Pakistan cricket match, one billion people in India are happy when India wins. And some people in, in Pakistan become miserable. If they win, then we become miserable. So understand that Suppose you just enjoy cricket for itself. When I watch the cricket match, I do not, I am not much interested in cricket. I am interested in winning. India's win. But if you enjoy cricket for itself, you can enjoy every stroke, every ball. Doesn't matter. I enjoy a stroke when an Indian player makes it. When the opposite fellow makes it, I miss the become miserable. It's a very good stroke, it's a success, you know, but I don't like it because of my own mind. What I'm trying to point out to you is there's no rule that a given thing will make me happy or unhappy. It is my mind which plays 
the most important role in whether I become happy or unhappy. Now, keep this in mind. In course of next week now, when you become happy, at the end of the day, take out 15 minutes or so. Recall those incidents when you became happy. And so, oh, because my mother cooked this one, I became happy. Some, you will know something happened, that's why it made you happy. But then you ask, is there a guarantee that the same thing is cooked next time that I will be happy? Same show I will watch next time I will be happy? There is no guarantee that a given thing makes me happy consistently. Sometimes it does, sometimes it does not. Isn't it so? So from this you have to learn that what makes me happy is my mind and what makes me unhappy is my mind. Therefore, in my life I have to learn to make myself happy by creating a happy mind. I have to learn to avoid unhappiness by avoiding things that make me unhappy. If you understand this, then now we come to the next topic, which you also will mention. This word where the Bhagavad Gita teaches. The other day, we saw how Bhagavad Gita is a dialogue between Lord Krishna and Arjuna. That dialogue took place in the midst of battlefield Kurukshetra. Lord Krishna is the charioteer, Sarathi, driver of Arjuna. And Arjuna is a master sitting in the chariot. See the situation. And Arjuna becomes very unhappy in the beginning of the battle. Someday we'll talk about it. And Lord Krishna teaches him. At the end of the teaching, Arjuna says, Now I am free from all the grief and sadness. And now I am ready to do what is required to be done. So you can say that Bhagavad Gita is a teaching which teaches us how to become happy, how to become free from unhappiness, which is same as how to become happy. So I wanted you to understand this, that the one thing and the only thing that we want in our life all the time is that we want a happy mind because happy, I'm happy when my mind is happy. Therefore, I want a happy mind. I want a happy self. I want to please the self. Happy self. Happy mind. That's all I want. Whether man is poor or wealthy. Whether man or human person is rich or poor. Learned or illiterate. Black or white, man or woman, young or old, modern or rustic, whoever it is, everybody has only one simple desire, one simple purpose. So, sometimes the question is asked, Swamiji, is there a purpose in life? Very much. What is the purpose? Simple purpose, to be happy. The same time you should know that it is not easy to be happy. We have to understand what, how to create happiness and we have to make deliberate attempt, to make an effort to slowly and slowly train ourselves 
यू नो स्कल्प्टर स्कल्प्टर एक सरफ रॉक दिस चीजल एंड हैमर रिमूव द अननेसेसरी पार्ट एंड ब्रिंग्स आउट द ब्यूटीफुल इमेज फ्रॉम द रॉक सो सो वी आर लाइक द रॉक राइट नाउ वी मे नॉट लुक सो ब्यूटीफुल I don't mean facially, but in general, character-wise, all of us have that beauty within us. We are all, by nature, beautiful, loving, kind people. Each one of us is a loving, kind, beautiful person. That's our nature. But still, we find we are not always kind. Sometimes we become cruel. Sometimes, na, sometimes we are ugly also, ugly mentally. So very often we behave in a manner which is quite opposite to our nature, because our mind has become like that. So we have to train our mind, shape our mind, and that is a very important thing to do in our life. So two things you have to do. You have to shape your career, professional career, scientific career, whatever career, career that you want to do. At the same time, we also have to shape our mind simultaneously, so that you have the best of both. But the right effort in your life, you be- become a. Businessman, engineer, doctor, scientist, teacher—whatever you want to become. At the same time, we constantly shape our mind so that we become a happy person, a beautiful person, a beautiful, good human being. Also, that's an excellent combination. I would say that we. This real success is when we have the best of both: best of what is outside and best of what is inside. So then, if you understood this, it is our own mind that makes us happy, our own mind that makes us unhappy. The next question is, Swamiji, what do we do so that? our mind makes us happy doesn't make us unhappy last time i pointed out one simple thing to draw your attention that as an example i said one act of kindness makes us happy i give you an example i said an act of kindness What is an act of kindness? When I part with something that I have, my time I may part with, my talent I may part with. When I contribute something, when I part with something, when I happily give something that I have. So, in act of giving something that I have. Parting with something that I have, offering something that I have. One aspect is that I have to give up something. I have to give up my time. I have to perhaps uh, take some trouble to help somebody. Perhaps it may cost some money also. Depends on the situation. It may not cost anything. It is true that it does cost me something, but the result is that I feel very happy about myself. I feel that I have done something good. When I see a smile on the face of, of someone else because of what I did, makes me happy. When I see somebody comforted because of what I did, I become happy. When I see there is somebody. felt that they got what they needed i feel happy 
So, in general, we can say that Bhagavad Gita teaches this that act of kindness, or in other words, an act of contribution, you know, contribution to contribute something, to share something that you have, contribute something so it becomes useful to someone else. This spirit is one of the important things to slowly shape our mind. So, in general, a life to whatever extent there is this contribution, there is this sharing, there is this parting with, this helping. To whatever extent this is there in my life, to that extent I find that I am a happy person. <clears throat> so one, just an example of how we can make ourselves happy. <laughs> by the same token, by displaying an opposite attitude, I become self-centered. I won't give you. Brother, please give me one can. No. Mother said, can I have a glass of water? I'm sorry. Sometimes we become very narrow-minded, become very self-centered, some become very cruel and give them that opportunity to contribute, to help. But later on, we don't feel good about it. We do not feel good. That, hey, I failed to do something which I should have done. The simple act of kindness I should have performed, I did not do. I become unhappy. So that is the way to make myself unhappy. Way to make myself happy. Way to make myself unhappy. So there is a, a word, an expression in English as to how to progressively create a mind that becomes happy. It's called emotional maturity. You know, maturity. Emotional maturity. To give you an example, take the example of a fruit such as a mango. The mango, as it grows on a tree, in the beginning it is raw, unripe. It is hard. It is sour in taste. It is green in color. It is... Uh, not very pleasant touch to touch. That's how a mango is when it is raw. And then you subject that mango to the process of ripening. You may not have perhaps experienced this, but as we were growing up, ripening the mango, the attic was devoted to this. When the summer comes, then a cart full of raw mangoes would come. My father would buy them. They're all spread, laid out on the grass, grass underneath and grass above, and there's a roof which is hot. And every day, every morning, you go there and examine the mango, turn it over. In about a week's time, the mango becomes ripe. When it came, it was green in color, becomes ripe, becomes yellow or orange in color. When it came, had no fragrance, becomes ripe, becomes fragrant. When it came, the taste was sour. When it becomes ripe, becomes sweet. You follow? What was sour, became sweet. Green, became orange. No fragrance, became fragrant. Hard became soft. This is called ripening process or process of maturity. Our mind is like a mango. Sometimes we feel that a mind is very hard, no fragrance, no happiness, no kindness, etc. I may feel. 
So we have to subject our mind to the process of ripening. And like a mango, the sweetness, the fragrance, the delicateness, the softness, all of that emerges. Meaning that our mind is like a mango. We may not always feel that there is sweetness in our mind, love in our mind, kindness in our mind. But all the sweetness of love, kindness, goodness is there in our own mind, our own self. But we do work in order to ripen the mind so that what is within becomes manifest, becomes evident, comes out on the surface, you can experience. So right now there is love in you which you may not always experience. Right now there is all kindness in you, you may not always experience it. There is love, kindness, beauty, all of this is there. Sometimes we experience. Now and then we have a glimpse of love in ourselves, we become very loving people, kind people, beautiful people we are. No? Then it goes there. But there are things that hide them, obstruct them. So we have to remove those obstacles and bring out the beauty of our own self, the kindness, the beauty, the love of our own self. So this is one kind of work that we have to do. So two kinds of work that you people have to do. One is to work on your whatever goal you have in terms of your career, professional career, your life, whatever goal you have. You're a good businessman, teacher, engineer, doctor, housewife, parent, whatever you want to become. And you have to work for that. Simultaneously, you should also be working for bringing out the very beauty and love and kindness which is in ourselves. So that then you have the things to enjoy and the capacity to enjoy, you follow, both the things. <clears throat> so this is called an emotionally mature mind, a ripened mind a mature mind, a happy mind. So in the, in the management world, there is an expression called emotional quotient. I'm sure that you are familiar with intellect, intel, intellectual quotient, IQ, must have heard of that. Intelligent quotient. And so far, the most importance was given to intelligence quotient. So we must grow in our intelligence, we must grow in our ability to solve problems, we must grow in our ability to learn and so forth, and we should. But an intellectually highly accomplished person, like a great scientist, like a great doctor, like a great engineer, like a great lawyer, all of our high IQ people, I'm sure you and I are off in way or the other. But simply this and therefore human being has paid most attention in developing IQ in schools and colleges and in professional training emphasis is on developing IQ, how to become more intelligent, how to be more capable, how to become more assertive, etc. How to become more successful in career. Successful businessman, successful engineer, successful doctor, one aspect. But what has been often neglected is there is not only this intelligent quotient, IQ, also an emotional quotient, EQ. Because if you look at our own self, we have an intellect and so we are intelligent people, we should, so that is called the head or the mind, brain or the intellect. So we are intelligent people, but we also have a heart, you know, which is the seat of emotion. The head is the seat of intellect, the heart is 
the seed of emotion. It is right, necessary that we have to cultivate or you know develop our intellect, no doubt. That intellectual development enables to accomplish many things in life. But we also know that we have a heart, that we are also emotional people, not only intelligent people, but we are also emotional people. We are not only thinking people, we are also the feeling people. Your feelings, your emotions. So I am an engineer, all right. I am a doctor, all right. An intelligent person, all right. At the same time, I am an emotional person also. Sometimes I feel bad. Sometimes I feel good. Sometimes I feel hurt. Sometimes I feel guilty. Sometimes I feel happy. Sometimes unhappy. You see, all of these are there about me. And this is called the emotional personality. We have an intellectual personality, we have an emotional personality. So usually, attention is paid to cultivate the intellectual personality. Our schools and colleges and all academic institutes are devoted to contributing to our intellectual growth, which is important, but not sufficient. There should also be simultaneously emotional growth or emotional maturity because the feeling of happiness or unhappiness is in the emotional mind. The sense of accomplishment is in the intellectual mind. So what you accomplish is through an intellectual achievement. What you feel, what you enjoy is to your emotional mind, emotional faculty, emotional self. Therefore, you have to pay attention to our emotional self, our emotions. And this is what also, what Bhagavad Gita teaches. Arjuna, you know, he was a highly accomplished person. You know, five Pandavas, Yudhishthira, Bhimasen, Arjuna, Nakula, Sadev. All very accomplished people. Of them, Arjuna was the most accomplished person, the greatest archer of his time. He worked very hard and, and therefore became one of the greatest archers. A great general, a great fighter, a great warrior. Meaning that he was a highly accomplished person as far as the intellectual capacity is concerned. The active capacity is concerned. But emotionally, what happened in the battlefield was he was emotionally challenged. And that emotional challenge he could not take. And that is how the teaching of Bhagavad Gita came. So we can say that Bhagavad Gita is a teaching which addresses the emotional person. The intelligent person also is addressed. But through that intelligent person, we have to slowly and slowly shape that emotional person. So intelligent person understands that understanding then has to be applied to shape the emotional person. We have to become emotionally mature people. Who is an emotionally mature person? A kind person is emotionally mature. A cruel person, immature. A generous person, emotionally mature. A narrow-minded, self-centered person, immature. A forgiving person, mature. A not forgiving person, somebody uh, hurt me, I'll take the revenge, revengeful person, immature. A forgiving person, mature. A revengeful person, immature. So you should understand 
who is a mature person and who is an immature person. Bhagavad Gita describes beautifully a highly emotionally mature person, a perfect person, a happy person, a free person. And so the characteristics of this person is, Lord Krishna says, this is in the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. The 12th chapter from the verse 13 to 20, the last 8 verses of the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita describe this emotionally perfect person, emotionally mature person. It may be of interest to you to just sometimes if you have a book of Bhagavad Gita at your home to look at the verses and translation of the verse 13 to 19. 20 is the conclusion verse. Those seven verses described. You may not understand everything that is said there. But still it says, some certain you will understand. It says this emotionally mature person is called a saint. Meaning that you and I, each one of us can become a saint. Understand? Saint doesn't mean that you are shaven headed and you are wearing orange or something like this. Saintliness is where? In the heart. In heart, we can become saint. Even though outwardly you are a fam family person, you are a worldly person, you are doing things. Inwardly, in your heart, you can become a saint. More saint we become happier and more successful we are. So, what are the characteristics of saintly person? Lord Krishna says in the 13th verse of 12th chapter, Advesta Sarabhutanam. He is a person who does not hate anybody. Who does not hate anybody. So, Swamiji, he may not hate others, but others hate him. What about that? Even then also he does not hate. We also don't hate people who love us, but then we write away, retaliate. When somebody hates me, I retaliate by hating that person. But here is an emotional mature person, a saint. Even though somebody may hate him, he does not hate. You know when it happens? When you become more and more large-hearted, more and more accommodated, accommodating. You know our mother, when we were small, very often used to misbehave. And uh, our father, our grandfather, I, I remember once an elderly person was with me and we were talking there, this is in the United States. And then his grandchild walked in, came in, just slapped his grandfather like that. I don't know whatever happened to that little child. Grandfather, do you think he slapped him back? No. Better come, what happened to you? He embraced him. The child was quiet. This is called forgiveness. This is called large-heartedness. This person may not be larger than everybody, but I am giving illustration how he was spontaneously large-hearted with reference to his grandchild. A mother is large-hearted with reference to his child. And so we also are very large-hearted with reference to people whom we love. Sometimes a friend also may do something which you may have, you forgive him, it doesn't matter. We have large-heartedness, it comes out now and then. But we have to work so that the large-heartedness is more and more evident. When a time comes when you become large-hearted regardless of what's out there, then you are a perfect person. A man of perfection, have you heard this? So this perfection is not that you grow some horns here. Or that you raise height in your height or some no such physical things happen. Perfection is simply within our reach by shaping our heart, shaping our emotional personality. Advesta Sarabhutaram, the one who does not hate anybody. Maitra is friendly to all. Even the person who may look upon him as an enemy, he is friendly to that also. Karuna, compassionate to all. So this quality of compassion, large-heartedness, accommodation, 
friendliness. These are the qualities of what we call the emotionally mature person. And we all have those qualities. We have all of them. But we have to cultivate them. So this is what we will continue to talk as to what should we do in our life. Vedanta teaches some values and attitudes which we adopt in our life. So slowly we become more accommodative, more kind, more giving, more large-hearted and more happy. Who is a happy person? A kind person is a happy person. A large-hearted person is a happy person. A non-retaliating person is a happy person. One who retaliates, who fights back, is an unhappy person. We will continue the discussion. But then, so today's main point is that we have to make a conscious attempt to shape our mind, shape our heart, shape our emotional faculty so that progressively we become emotionally matured like the raw mango becoming ripe mango. When mango becomes ripe, it becomes sweet. We are not injected sweet from outside. We didn't inject the sweetness, is it not so? We did not inject the fragrance in the mango. The sweetness, fragrance, tenderness is all inherent in mango, is there in mango. So what is the ripening process? Ripening process is bringing out what is already in there, you follow? Like a sculptor brings out the beauty of the image is already there by removing the unnecessary portion. So ripening the mango is to bring out all the inherent beauty in the mango. Similarly, ripening ourselves to bring out the beauty which is inherent in ourselves. The beauty is not the beauty of the body or face, that beauty of the mind and that's real beauty. They say we are by nature beautiful people. But we have to work hard to bring that beauty out, become happy people, successful people. With that, I will conclude this morning. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishade Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Hari Om